0: Ephesians chapter 2, this great book of Ephesians is declaring the majesty of the church, the bride of Christ, adorned and arrayed for the bridegroom. And you need to understand where we've come from. As we look at chapter 2, I have to say something about our testimony. You were all dead. We were all dead in trespasses and sin. We used to walk following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that was you and I, chained in darkness to our own addictive sinful habits. We were dead to God and only alive to our own pursuits, not even fully recognizing that our living was unto the prince of darkness and to the spirit of the power of this air. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. But, but, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, from whence we came. From where we came from. We were no better than anyone else. There was no separation from us and Hitler. From us and any foul person in the earth that ever lived. It was us. But that grace... That opened our eyes and illuminated us and brought us to life through our faith in the cross of Jesus. He elevated us and raised us up to be seated with him. As a bride. His beloved. And he made us his workmanship. This verse alone is the full weight of my sermon this morning. And when we begin to look at, we've become His workmanship. We have to understand the language and the verbiage behind it. The Greek word for workmanship is poema. Poema. Does that sound familiar to you? A poem. It's where we get the English word for poem. And the word poema means a creative masterpiece. The creative expression of artistic beauty. He wrote a love song into your heart. You're the poetry of God. You're the poetry of redemption and salvation written so that all may read this love story between you and Jesus. You're the painting, the portrait of the love between Christ and his bride. You're the sculpture, the solid form that people can grasp to begin to understand the beauty of God. You're you're a masterpiece. You're a work in progress. You're being whittled. You're being honed. You're being shaped. You're being written through the beauty, the beauty of Christ's imagination. You know that He is the same who created all things in the earth this word poema is used one other place in the New Testament Scriptures and it's found in Romans 1.20 and it says, For God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that He has poema, that He has made, His workmanship. So, in other words... The beauty of all creation that speaks in every language and in every tongue at all times in every universal uh, place on this earth, the glory and the majesty of Christ speaks through nature. Paul goes on to say in this verse so much so that man will be without excuse on the day of judgment. In other words, nature reveals the beauty and the brilliance of God's divine power and divine nature. To such an extent that there will be no excuse for anyone to say there is no God. It is the witness of nature itself that is enough to condemn mankind from believing in God. That is the full expression. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a greater expression. Yet revealed. You see... The heavens declare the glory of God. How many of you look at sunsets and are awestruck? How many of you just see the beauty around you in in sunshine, even in thunderstorms, and the beauty of lakes and rivers, and and all that is gorgeous? It is the poma of God. It is the masterpiece, the wonder work of God that this thing goes on and on and on day and night just expressing the beauty of God. And so it is with us, as Paul is saying, we've become that workmanship. You see, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Creation, a new creation, the same beauty, wonder, and majesty that Christ put into all things created. He is now working out in us. We've become His creation, His workmanship. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He went to the junkyard and He found you. And He found me. But the eye of the Master said, Oh, what I can do with this testimony. No matter how many years have spoiled the witness, no matter how many years, whether young or old, He can fashion His beauty you. You are His workmanship. God never gives up. Listen, if you have the thought that God gave up on you, or if that is God giving up on you, then that would be the master forsaking His masterpiece. And that would be on Him, not you. That would mean that He was unable to do something with you. And that is a lie. Would anyone dare say God can't redeem something valuable in yourself? Would you limit the power of God from being uh, unable to do something with your life? How dare any of us, the clay, speak to the potter and say, it's not good enough. No, he he won't give up on you because he would have to give up on his self. The work He's begun in you, He will complete. He must complete. And no matter how much we have fouled it up, no matter how much the paint drips, no matter how much the, the, the sculpture cracks, no matter how much, He will redeem and restore it into beauty. I love art and creativity. Uh, I, I have a bachelor's degree in commercial art and a master's degree in sculpting. I love fine arts. I love music. There's nothing more important to me in life than making things. I love to create. My downtime is creating. My activity time is creating. Everything I do, I do with creativity because I love it. It is my passion to make things. If I'm sitting at a table waiting for something to come, I will make things. It's just in me. So I have a heart for this message. I have a passion for this message. Because I understand the creative heart. And when I think of the artist, the aesthetic and artistic beauty of God, the pleasure, the complete pleasure He has in putting Himself into something like you. Do you understand what that means? It means that you are so uniquely important to the Father. Because He is investing all time and energy from eternity into you. He's outside of time. So He has all of eternity to personally write a masterpiece, an epic, a story of your life. From beginning to end. You're the main character. And as he writes it. oh, I mean the beauty of this is amazing. He, he takes the time to, to bring the plot. To such a place that his son is glorified in you. To where when everyone gets to hear the story. We'll all go oh come on. Say it again. i got to go back to that movie. I've got to see it. And then, when he writes each individual masterpiece, it's also going on at the same time that he's writing a larger story of a people interacting one to another of this nation and of that nation. And then he's also writing a grand suite that brings all his bride together in one. Oh, my goodness. From the tiniest age. From the most precious child. His hand is at work, writing beauty and hope and purpose. He says, You're my poem. You're my poetry. You're the reason that I'm taking the time in your life. Each of our lives is the canvas on which the Master's producing a work of art that will fill the everlasting ages forever. Now he says, That we are His poem, His masterpiece, His creative effort. That we've become His workmanship. And then he says, created in Christ. Created in Christ. There's, There's the safety of it, isn't it? It's created in Christ. Created for good works. Good works. The Bible talks about Good works, and what are good works i I consider good works like jewelry i I saw this picture of this jewelry on this woman 's face It 's enough that God made such beauty in that woman 's face, but then we adorn ourselves with jewelry. Has anybody got jewelry on today? I see some shiny things. I see shiny shirts i I see jewelry. Jewelry doesn't make the person, but it accentuates your beauty. And this is what good works do. Have you ever considered that the good works are like gemstones? Good works are not what we do to become saved. Good works are what we do because we are saved. And they become gold, silver, and precious stones. You see, good works... In fact, Peter talks about it to some of the ladies uh, in the first century as he was talking to them. He says, you know, you're, you're so busy adorning your hair with gold twined into your braids and, and jewelry and makeup. And he says, but what you should do is adorn yourself with humble and, and submissive acts and good works. And and that's the jewelry we're to wear. We, we uh, understand the limit by which the jewelry is not going to overtake us and not become vain over the jewelry. So wear your jewelry. Look beautiful. Comb your hair. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. But what we're to be wearing as jewelry as the workmanship of Christ, as the, the beauty of His creation, is we're to then become adorned in the gems Of pleasing God with good works. The judgment seat of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, speaks of works that are done for self as wood, hay, and stubble. That they'll be consumed by fire. But the works that we do unto Christ are gold, silver, and precious stones. There's the jewelry. You see, he's testing our works. It's the same thing he did to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He said, I know your works. That's what Revelation, the the, the seven messages to those seven churches, is all about. What have you done with what I've given you? How have you adorned the beauty and and the workmanship that I've put into you? What have you done with it? He says, I know your works. So works adorn us. They're the beauty. We were created in Christ to do good works. Now, people say, well, I'm not saved because of my good works. Of course you're not. And I love this saying. It says, good works are the fruit, never the root. Say it with me. Good fruits are the fruit, never the root of salvation. You don't do good works to get saved. No, good works are the fruit of your salvation. We were saved through an imperishable seed, Peter says. This seed was planted by God in us through His grace. By faith it germinated and now we are saved. And once saved and being carved and painted and created a masterpiece through the hands of the Holy Spirit in us, we begin to produce the fruit of the beauty of God. How can we say that we are Christians if we don't bear the very fruit of His nature? How are you going to know my fruits by what I do? It's really simple, isn't it? And so... When the sun shines through the atmosphere of this planet in the morning and in the evening, it produces the fruit of a beautiful sunrise or the fruit of a beautiful sunset, displaying the glory of God. When you enter into a trial, when you enter into a situation that is going to bear fruit out of you, what you're going to produce? The gems and the beauty of Christ's nature or your flesh? I want to produce the jewelry of Christ. I want to be adorned. Have you ever thought about this? We talk about it the the, the verbiage in the in the Bible about the rewards and everything. Again, silver, gold, precious stones, that you'll receive a crown. Jewelry. You'll receive a laurel crown, a, a, a kingly crown, and a priestly garments. It's all about the, the, the way you are expressing Christ. This is the good work of God. Paul told Titus this. He said, We were redeemed and Jesus redeemed us to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Again, again. God made us to produce the glory due Him. See, so so if there's any work that needs to be done on this masterpiece of you this morning, the work that needs to be done for you is that you need to release the glory. You need to give the glory to God and release so that He is seen in you. Now, how many of you, I asked this earlier, how many of you combed your hair today? I'm not going to ask how many of you didn't. Some of you don't have to. Just go. How many of you took a shower? (laughs) Brush your teeth? Hallelujah. Anybody... uh, Take more than a minute to pick out a shirt, a blouse, what you're wearing. See, we adorn ourselves every day. We purposely, directly adorn ourselves and prepare ourselves for what others will think of us. That's the motivation. But how many of us, the beauty and workmanship of God, have prepped ourselves? to be adorned in the beauty of His nature so that when someone looks at us, our first thought is, I wonder if they think I'm attractive. Our first thought is, will they see Christ in me? That's our goal. That's our goal. Matthew, Jesus said this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Again, the correlation. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Are you getting the picture here? You are the beauty. You're his masterpiece. You put masterpieces on display. You're on display for the majesty of Christ and the glory to be seen by everybody. You are amazing. You are beautiful. Your story is confounding to the lost. How did you get saved? How is it that you've come through what you've come through? After losing what you lost, you are still giving glory to God. What a story. What a beautiful song. If you were a song, it would have a verse, an intro, a chorus. It would go to the bridge where there were things that broke down, where there was trial, where there was struggle. And yet at the end of the story, you come to the triumphal chorus, the last stanza, by which at the end, eyes are weeping, hands are raised in all praise and honor, goes to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter. Of our faith. That's what he's saying. Oh, but he says this. This is not some quick fix-it work job. He says this, that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now that beforehand isn't like last week. Let's see, uh, uh, Tim, yeah, okay. Jeez, we kind of left him <laughs> hanging for a while. Yeah, okay, what do we got for Tim? Let's work on him a little bit. No, 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 no. The beforehand means that God had a purpose and a plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you know it, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, God said, I know the plans I have for you. Now, God had plans for Israel. He's specifically talking to Israel as Israel is in bondage. How many of you need a word of hope when you are in bondage? How many of you need a hope when you are in struggle? You need a word of hope when all things seem lost. You need a word of hope even if it was your fault you're in that predicament you're in. He doesn't walk away and say, I'm done with you. He says, I've got plans for you and what you've fallen into and the situation you're in, I have a plan to get you out. I had a plan to give you a hope and a future. This is not the end of it. Amen. Isn't that our story? Isn't that our story? I have a plan for you which God prepared beforehand. He prepared all the adornment. He prepared all the good works. That's what he's specifically talking about. You're his workmanship, his beauty, and his glory to be adorned in good works, to be uh, painted and 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 uh, 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 jewelry. Uh, is that jewelized? I made that up. Uh, put all and 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 put the finishing touches on you that he had planned long before the earth began. I know the plans I have for you, and these plans are to prosper. They're not to harm. These plans are for purpose. And again, to bring glory to my son. I, I, uh, some, of the, some of my fondest memories, I, I'll tell you, this is how my head works. One of my fondest memories is my Aunt Lillian used to come over. Little old lady, white hair. You know, I was young, so she looked ancient. She drove a little old falcon, like a 65 falcon. And, and she brought me... A roll of uh, tracing paper. My gosh, I had that thing for years, and I would unroll it and I would trace my favorite little cartoons and I would color it and I'd roll it back up. See, so these things were precious to me. My mom, one one Christmas, my mom and dad gave me a light box. That's uh, like a clear uh, uh, frosted top that has a light bulb in it so that when you plug it in, whatever paper you put on it, it'll shine through and you can trace the image. I remember spending hours tracing images. My favorite thing is I didn't mind getting sick because when we got sick, I'd go to the doctor, he'd give me a shot of penicillin, always, and then I'd get a coloring book. Who loved coloring books? Or when I got older, I'd get a model because I'd love to glue and put model cars together and all this. See, this is the stuff that excites me. (laughs) For you, it might have been sports. For you, it might have been something else. It doesn't matter. But the point being is I know the delight in these things. And now consider the delight. Think of something that just you love to do. And think of the delight of God doing that in you. These works, these things, I can't wait to keep working on you today. I've prepared these crazy plans. And so what he's doing is he's downloading them. And they are being downloaded into you. And you're ready for the next level. We got any gamers in here? Anybody love gaming, right? Going to that next level, you beat it and so now you can go to the next level. He's he's downloading the next installment of Christ's glory to be magnified out of you. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And so he's constantly, this thing isn't going to end. He, he, he wants to do one more thing today before your head hits the pillow. I got to do one more thing. I just got to, I got to. If, if, if there's, a, a guys are typical of this, right? If you work on a project, the, the last thing you do before you go to bed is go look at it. Yes. That's me, anyways. And then the first thing in the morning I have to do. Oh, yeah. And I tell my wife, "Did you did you see the did you see what I did? Did you see the thing? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Call her halfway through the day. Hey, honey, did you uh, when you went out? Did you happen to see the did you see the thing I did? And so, Just a minute. She'll go out. Yeah, that looks really nice. Yes, it does, doesn't it? There's something about creating. There's something about it. And, and God delights. God delights in what He's doing in you. He delights in it. When you fail, this is not a problem for Him. He picks you back up and He restores. He knows the fiber in which you're made, He'll weave it back together and restore. I know the plans I have for you. And I have purposed them in this direction. Sometimes you're going to walk through this valley. I know it's a shadow of death. I understand that. You're going to have to walk through it. But I want you to know something. I have set a banqueting table before your enemies. Amen. Now wait a minute. That doesn't mean the enemies are gone. Have you ever noticed that in that verse? You set a banqueting table before my enemies for me in the midst of my enemies. You know what? I could diet today. Could you just get rid of the enemies? But that's not the point. Why would He set a table? Now, imagine the table that Jesus sets. Huh? I was at a wedding last night. We were trying to figure out what to do with four forks. Alright, we're not that fancy at our house. (laughs) So is this fork for the salad? This is for the pasta? This one's for the meat? This one's for the dessert? What is all these forks? Wow. And the all oh, the beauty. Imagine the table that Jesus sets. Do you think it will have aesthetic beauty? Again, do you think Jesus does things beautiful? Doesn't the word say he does all he makes all things beautiful in his time? That's you. And so he's going to set a banqueting table. This isn't just a plain picnic. It's a banqueting table in the presence of our enemies. Why? So that when our enemies see us at the table of the Lord, dining in the majesty of our king, they will go, what? Wow. Look at his God. Look at his protection. Look at his king. Again, seeing the glory in our lives from the Lord. Says that He has knitted us together. I have formed, for you God have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you think He stopped fearfully and wonderfully working on us? It's like, I got you saved. Now you're on your own. Do the best you can with it. Oh, you messed up? You're out of my kingdom. Kick this piece of trash out. That's how many of us think of Him. No way! If God had destined and planned and purposed in our mother's womb that He had a purpose for you and I. Do you think He's going to quit on that? He's going to work on this masterpiece of your story. Yeah, but my life's boring. I go to work. I raise kids. I come home. I'll retire. I'll sweep the lawn. You don't sweep the lawn. I'll sweep the cement. I'll take my dog for a walk. I come back. But it's all that's in between all of that activity of what you do with Christ in all of that. Now, if you don't want to wear the bling, if you don't want to go with the jewelry, if you don't want to produce that, that is your story. That is up to you. It's interactive. But if you would cooperate with the Master, He will create such beauty for you. He said, I praise you. I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Now, here's here's the end of this. He says... We're His workmanship, His poetry, His poem, His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for the good works, for the adornment, so that everyone will see His glory coming out of us, which He prepared for us to do beforehand, that we should walk in them. That's His intention, that you walk in the purposes of God. You walk in these good works. You walk in this workmanship. You walk in in what He is producing and has planned for you to do. And what amazes me is, we found it earlier in the verse, in Ephesians 2.6, He said, He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Come on. We're going to sit on the throne with Christ Jesus. You have more preference in the heart of God than all of the angels put together. Do you know that the angels, there are cherubim who cover and are guarding the very throne room of God. They have to step aside when you walk in the workmanship of Christ. Because you are kings and priests of the Most High, adorned in the beauty and splendor of His glory, of His saving grace. They have to step aside as you enter into the throne room that they protect As you approach the very throne and you look up and you see the seraphim who have to cover their face and cover their feet. They have six wings and two just to suspend themselves over the throne of God. But you get to see Him face to face because of all that He has done in you. And you know the touch of the Master. You know His grace. You know His forgiveness. You know His love. You walk up to that throne so that you will sit on it for eternity. And He goes on to say in verse 6 and 7, So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, you are a trophy of His grace. You are the masterpiece of His plan for your life. You will walk and sit on that throne and it says for the ages to come, for the coming ages. Now look, at I don't know what is after this age. I know Jesus is coming back. He will set up His kingdom for a thousand years. There's one of the ages. After that thousand years, the devil will be loosed. And the second resurrection of, of those who have not been uh, raised in Christ will come. And the judgment, white judgment throne seat of Christ has come. We're already resurrected and set. And then comes a new heavens and a new earth. There's another age. He says that what he's doing in you right now for this masterpiece, once you are resurrected at his coming, at his return, you will be on display for all of eternity and the coming ages as a trophy of his grace and an emblem of his loving kindness. He's a little bit invested in you, just a little. Look at I don't understand this. I'll be really honest with you. Of all that He made, His eternal focus is on us. Do you get this? Heaven and earth will pass away. His word will not. Where did He put His word? Hidden in our hearts. These, these heavens, this earth, all of its beauty, it, it will be burned and changed. I, I don't understand the dimensions of that. What will take place? But the one thing consistent from this age into the next is us and the work He did in us. I say all of this because you have become His divine creative masterpiece in Christ Jesus so that you will demonstrate that loving kindness and that glory so that it comes out and you're adorned in the beauty and in the splendor of who He is and what He did in you and what He's doing in you so much that it will be on display for all of eternity. Does this humble us as a people? Does it help you understand all of His effort that is going forth in you? Would you please bow your heads this morning?